0: Good afternoon, all. Hope you're all right. Hope you can hear me okay. All my usual paranoia about technical issues, but it seems to be working well these days. Thank you for joining me. I'm Jack Chew, 12.30 till one o'clock weekdays. We chew it over. Usually, especially at the moment, we seem to have a, a load of esteemed guests joining me, so you don't have to tolerate listening to me all the time, which is good. Today, we've got Hannah Morley, who's going to join me in a second. She's done some fascinating work that I've really enjoyed paying attention to over especially the last couple of years to the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust Fellowship, which she'll tell us a little bit about. But she investigates sort of international comparisons and analysis on advanced practice um, and a really, really thoughtful and thorough. Sometimes we see people overindulge on sort of a data-driven and there's some people overindulge on sort of just certain certain specific qualitative variables and so she's just uh, been really great at this big picture and and the way that she's fed that into other other communities of practice including things like MSKR etc has been fantastic so really pleased to get her on the show and to discuss it she was waving around a uh, published version of it that was printed and she showed that on Twitter and it jogged my memory to get her on the show so without further ado I will bring you where is she there she is hannah can you hear me
1: hi yes i can wave it around now as well
0: there it is fantastic yes lovely brilliant pretty glossy copy it makes a difference doesn't it when you get it in hand i remember feeling that way with the manifesto that we wrote so tell folk a little bit about you and especially then just tell the story as to how you ended up doing the work that you've then done
1: yeah absolutely so um i work as an fcp in gloucestershire at the moment um and about Three years ago, it came to my attention that there was a fellow at the Travel Fellowship. Um, A really good mentor of mine sort of knew that it would be something I'd be interested in and passed it my way. Um, And so it's the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust Fellowship, as you said. And um, so I put an application to really study advanced practice because from an FCP point of view, that was what was really interesting to me. Um, and also having worked, so I've worked in Canada before as well and just knowing the differences between how physiotherapy is perceived in different places and how it develops and the career structures and that sort of stuff. So that was what I wanted to explore um, and having some close friends in New Zealand that have been through that as well. It was just a really interesting thing for me to understand. Um, so I was really interested in how advanced practice is developing in different places um, and really to try and learn from that, so the Churchill Fellowship, the the whatever approach you have to it, is really about going and understanding something that someone has implemented in, in a different place, in a different context, and then learning from that and being able to sort of develop and share that uh, in the UK. So that's that's really what the what the fellowship is for. Um, so I went to my fellowship in January this year, and I just about made it back for uh, the March lockdown. Uh, I managed to get all of my interviews and things in over in uh, Eastern Australia and New Zealand and just really speaking to clinicians and leaders in the advanced practice physio space um, and understanding more about what we're doing in different places around sustainability of advanced practice growth in that area from physiotherapy um, the perception of our profession and others professions of physiotherapy and just how things have developed so and it's all come together.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, we're going to get stuck into that certainly in a little while. I wonder, just to, because what, we do have a, a live audience, though, that most people do tune in after the fact. I wonder, for those of you, I always like to offer you a question, especially when I've got a guest on, I know you guys sometimes loiter in the chat and don't don't get stuck in quite as quickly. So I want to just pose this question. What does advanced practice mean to you, and especially, what do you know of it in other cultures, contexts, countries? You know, it do not have to just be in policy, but also, how do you think that physiotherapies perceived etc across borders i, I really want to know that so anyone that's tuning in live post do not have to be questions can be comments whatever we will definitely come to them towards the end but instead i'm going to going to just move my move and close my chat for a second just so that me and hannah can get really stuck into this so i don't want to start with the end but i am tempted to sort of say what are the core if you don't mind giving me a bit of a hot take as to what the core thing that you found from your study is
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was really thematic. Was 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 there's lots of detail, but lots of themes as well. So focused on clinical governance around services, around our education as advanced practitioners. It's it's so varied in different places, Um, and actually that's so important for uh, for sort of retention of staff and clinicians, and for the public to understand. And then regulation is such an important thing that the public need to understand, that we need to understand as a profession, how we're regulated and what that means. Um, So very much about clinical governance, education, regulation. And then there was lots of innovative things I saw as well, things that were going on. um, Sort of pre-COVID, there was lots of innovation in digital technology, as, as you'll know, Jack. And so I got really stuck into a lot of that stuff as well. It was great to see advanced practice work being done in a different way, so
0: do you think that what, have you noticed more commonalities and differences or more differences than commonalities I know it's kind of difficult to to sort well, of we, we everything st- in
1: but. yeah we all struggle with the same uh, challenges right. um so you know we all struggle with the language of advanced practice what do we all mean what does it mean to us as a profession what does it mean to the public what does it mean to other professions so what does it mean to the medical profession what does it mean to other um, allied health professionals so we all struggle with that in in a similar way um and also education, I think, is, is important to talk about. We all have similarities and differences in, in that way and same, similar challenges, like the portability of our education and credentialing was something that kept coming up as a common theme for staff. Um, you know, having worked in England and, and Canada, that portability, you, you, you need that to be able to take my credentials. I know that we all know that our BSc, our physiotherapy BSc, we, we know what to do with that to port it over. What about what do we do when we've done lots of other training? How do we port that and how transferable is it? Um, and that was something that was really important to a lot of clinicians.
0: That has been a really interesting frustration of many people over years, uh, even with the, with the bachelors, to the fact that it's not, there isn't parity across borders where it can be that it, 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 it holds in equal weight in different contexts. I imagine that's not the similar into the advanced practice space in that you've not got it being replicated two ways and that almost creates a bit of an animus a bit of international disrespect that seems to be occurring is that just a pet peeve or is that actually something that is, is a core thing we do need to work on I
1: mean we certainly need to work on portability because it's important that patients understand that we've all got the the, the right credentials it's important that actually for staff morale I met a lot of staff who were working across different layers of advanced practice so perhaps one day a week they might be working in an ED environment so an emergency department as an advanced practitioner and a couple of days a week maybe they'd be working in more of an orthopedic MSK um, advanced practice role and as an individual they found that 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 overlap really helped their development but actually they had to do two separate um, types of Um, clinical governance credentialing, two types of mandatory training. Yes, they had slightly different skills in both those roles, but they did feel there was an overlap that wasn't recognised. And actually, if there was more of that sort of portability between advanced practice services, then that would have really helped a lot of staff
0: so if we indulge on being a bit uk-centric for a second and think about the what are the relative differences across other nations and i know you did a lot of stuff in australia and new zealand but we needn't loiter to there too much but it's kind of the what are key advanced practice differences say in imaging requisition uh, injections, prescriptions, that sort of stuff and does that affect the identity piece exactly? yeah
1: i think key differences depends on where you are in the patient's journey and what the purpose of the role is. So a, a lot of the things that were focused on um, in some of my research was around actually understanding the value and the vision of the, of the service and what we're there to achieve for the patient. So I think some of the differences in terms of the, advan- the additional skills that we might have as advanced practitioners depends on where you sit in that pathway and what you can enable for that patient. Um, so I think that's, re- and it's the same for other professions, you know, it's the same for consultants versus general practitioners, you know, they sit at a different place in the pra- in the pathway, and therefore, their skills might be different, and the things that they bring to the table for the patient might be different.
0: Mm. I'm sorry, those in the comments that are mentioning a bit of feedback on the uh, sound, uh, I'm sorry about that, Um Hannah, if when I'm talking, you were to mute yours. It probably works. I'm being played through your speakers, so that'll improve it. But I'm sorry, it's my fault. I rushed into this two minutes late. I was just working with our students and missed it. So me and Hannah weren't able to do some of the technical stuff that would have made it a bit cleaner. So that's all on me. Apologies for that. But thanks to those that are commenting. Hopefully that that sorts it out. Um. So Hannah, what when we're thinking about um, just want to lo- linger on that point a bit. Where is there a the disgruntlement that sometimes happens across certain professions, prof- professionals about the lack of portability of their qualification, when actually their country of origin might be, in, you know, more open and and more um, accessible to other countries' professionals. And I'll just give an example, even just on a basic bachelor's level. Is it is from what I understand, and and this is where you might correct me, but objectively simpler for an australian physiotherapist to practice in the uk than it is for me to do the same and there were stages in my career that given it being more more accessible and and more parity afforded in that direction then i might have considered it but instead didn't again feel free to correct me on it but is that is that the case and if so is that something that you know does not just need to be worked on, but is that something that crops up when you do these sorts of interviews, or when we're crossing and comparing, making comparisons across borders?
1: Yeah, thanks, Jack. So I, I think that um, there, there's definitely some difference, isn't there? I mean, even uh, I, you know, I went over and worked in um, British Columbia, and the choice was based was partly based on the fact that there's a different um, system for me to be able to work as an, in, an autonomous practitioner as a physio in. BC, than there is in Alberta um, so that's even within one country so yeah there are there are differences and I don't think that that's something that is going to be changing anytime soon you know we're, we're even talking about being able to port you know some clinicians are talking about being able to port their credentials from one hospital in a big city like Melbourne to another hospital in a big city like Melbourne yeah, so yeah. you know when we're talking about those sort of miniature differences, yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely, there are. You know, we know that there are exams in some places, there are portfolios in other places, and a lot of the work that we're doing in the UK around advanced practice portfolios will help us set up, set ourselves up for that. Um, but it doesn't necessarily equate one equals the other. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it is tricky for people, for sure.
0: Do you think it matters? The you know, I want to just linger on the identity piece now, where because you have heard. Not all of it, because I'm really whinge, whinge about it all the time, but this this notion of what it means to be a physiotherapist, blurring the lines between MSK disciplines, the notion that we should all be pulling from the similar evidence base, etc. I've made my feelings fairly clear on that, but I do think, and I am most sensitive to a strong argument against some of my work there, to say that there is something that's difficult and, and, and intangible but there is something that's actually quite interesting and unique about being a physiotherapist especially when you make it international like people sometimes sympathetic to my local argument are frustrated at sometimes my suggestion of blurring lines when there is camaraderie internationally that's actually much more valuable you're more well traveled not just in this physically and geographically but you've also thought in that direction more than me i wonder if you could sort of school me on that if you would <laughs>
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's a lot of feedback from my contributors around that as well. Physiotherapy branding came out as actually a, a hot topic that people wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. When I was wanted, I wanted to talk about advanced practice, lots of people actually wanted to bring it back and talk about physiotherapy branding. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, even I could just pull a piece out of one of the contributors talks about. So the problem is that if you lose the branding of physiotherapy or the name of your profession, because you're now morphing into a generic health practitioner, and that's not of any benefit to the profession. And really, to a certain extent, it doesn't benefit the public either. So that's a contributor who I've just quoted that's saying, well, actually, if we move from using our professional title into more generic branding, which was the understanding that some people were getting out of the term advanced practice, Mm -hmm. they were then saying, well, actually, maybe it doesn't benefit us, but also maybe it doesn't benefit the public either. Um, because of course physiotherapy is an international brand and people n- understand what that is about
0: so i definitely don't want to push back against a uh, nameless faceless contributor uh, in your piece instead i want to ask if you don't mind as to having heard that as well as other varying different accounts i wondered where you found yourself on that question um do you are you particularly sympathetic to that that example or do you, you, you know, where, what is your take on that matter at the moment
1: yeah, I, I think it falls sort of halfway in between. I think that we certainly do see a lot more of, um, we, we're taking things from different places now. You know, physiotherapy is about our perception of what physiotherapy is. We we, we can do uh, different things. We can apply ourselves in different ways that may not, you know, when we talk about physiotherapy branding, well, actually, that doesn't mean the same for everybody anyway. Um, <laughs> so, so in some ways, that's not helpful anyway. And sometimes the things that, the public may think of as physiotherapy every branding is actually not what we offer in some situations and that happens a lot you know working in fcp in general practice where i am now that happens an awful lot um so yeah i, I think i definitely fall somewhere in the middle but i think that it doesn't help us to not raise our sort of lift our professional brand along with our advanced practice no.
0: i think that, that that's a really fair point and one that i'm I'm conscious of. I think I always have been. I hope I always have been. But I think I've also have heard this argument enough for me to realise that there's something clumsy about how I'm articulating myself sometimes. If people think I'm uh, degrading or diminishing or suggesting that we don't want the the tide to raise all ships, to use that metaphor. But just to, what, what I would say to that, you know, to to say on that on that contributor's points is that i feel that if physiotherapy had a crisp and clear and sensibly evidence-based brand that was consistent and that there was some sort of mechanism especially bringing in the governance that there was some way of rewarding good practice and and, and at least uh, not punishing but at least sort of trying to find a way to demonstrate that we are trying to cleave ourselves away from some archaic and and, and non-evidence-based or less evidence-informed modalities I find myself, my, my I don't think my argument would have emerged really uh, under a generic MSK, let's blur those lines thing, because it feels that the, I struggle to understand what people are meaning. And usually when I then drill down on it, it's that an individual's person's romantic take on what a physiotherapy brand should be. They don't want to be degraded, but I feel has been degraded by the way that there's so, so much cultural difference, even cross sector. You think about the private sector, independent sector, the NHS, care delivery is so... So varied and with no governance framework that sort of supports. And I don't want us all to be robotic, sort of shape or, or, or cookie-cutter. that would be a better metaphor there. But I do find that I feel that that my take has come from a pragmatic lack of brand that's been consistent. And in the MSKR manifesto, we wrote about the unifying nature of rehabilitation to stop us being based on our interventions. Neuro, being say Bobath. Uh, manual therapists and acupuncturists within msk acbt version and suction-based modalities in in respiratory is kind of where we've been pigeonholed rather than thinking that rehabilitation can uniformly unify unify us i'm persuaded by that if i saw that emerging and i just wondered is that still an issue internationally and if so what unifying pieces are people doing
1: yeah i mean i think the unifying pieces of what you've already pulled on there is no matter which department i was in whether we were looking at an ed department whether we were in an msk interface department we might have been in the public sector in the private sector it was that therapeutic relationship mm. with patients that, mm. that always sort of encased everything and a rehab approach um i think we take for granted how as a as physiotherapists, we think about rehab um and when you spend time with other professionals you you, it does you do come to realize that actually our approach to a patient conversation our approach to planning someone's goals is is therapeutic and that in itself is the thing that unifies us
0: i think that's a really good point and i think one of the things that i've realized in you because you mentioned uh, advanced practice within ed departments and i think about working you know advanced practice physiotherapist in that context and advanced nursing practitioner that are pulling from the same list and the almost the heuristic in which they're using and reasoning or their baseline is is quite different and that the rehab instincts that are sometimes beneath the physio's point of view not all and not all nurses are different to this as well but it's kind of that this you know, identifying someone's functional level and then identifying how to scale them towards rehabilitating that is kind of where people are at, at baseline and once they've done the things that might be generic in terms of safety imaging etc and, and coming to a diagnosis in a nursing context again I'm stereotyping a bit but I feel it plays out is that they because of their professional background as well as their prior roles that before going into advanced practice means that they are somewhat more algorithmically sort of mapping people into stuff um and and, and coming to a conclusion based on sort of pathway management because that might be just the way in which they the ranks and it doesn't always apply but i think that there is something to that but i feel that i'd love to see it better defined right it would get we'd get somewhere quicker if people were i already know that i and i get a lot of hate mail for even suggesting that those themes might emerge. Like to to infer that is quite challenging. And I've, I've, it's been one of the things that's been a, a force to try and quieten that that down. For me, codifying that a bit better and, and your work's really helping us do that, would move us in the right direction. Have you found that that's been useful by not just you getting it down on paper, but also having something that then stops the conversation being circular?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the important thing is that... Uh, as physiotherapists, we we do have that unifying factor. So there are differences in between all professions and there are similarities. So I do think that it's important to play that out. And that's what's helpful in going to different contexts and actually seeing that common characteristic. So you're absolutely right in that, you know, regardless of where you meet patients, we're thinking about what can this person achieve? Yeah. And that's not to say that other people don't think in that way but it's certainly common to physiotherapy and that's okay for us to own that and say so yeah. as physiotherapists we can own the fact that we are thinking about someone's function that we are thinking about their achievements in life as well as in health and that's the same for other health professionals it's the same for other medical professionals but we can certainly claim that for ourselves as well.
0: Mm, yeah and I've been speaking to some OT colleagues that 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 feel that 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 Especially if you offer some combination between those two, the blues and greens in a classic way, then that between us, you know, we've had that for a long time. I think that then those that are sort of harking back to intervention centric identity, intervention centric identity, uh, is something we need to move past. But yeah, as I say, I feel that like your work has been something that really helps us move that on, including myself. You know, I feel like I'm irritated by my repetitiveness in this direction as well. Um, it just feels like, unfortunately, there's not an appropriate acceptance of, of the the challenge that we're facing here. But the international argument is a, is a very good one. We've had some lovely comments coming in. Thank you, those that are sharing it. I don't know why this isn't put, usually it puts a name to it, but it says Facebook user, unless that's your name. That's a weird name. Uh, doctors generally rule out the most serious pathology and work down to the simplest cause, whereas physios generally work the other way around. What advanced practice helped me to do was to work from both ends to come to the most likely cause interesting stuff got to work now but we'll listen later on as normal aha yeah yeah so so unfortunately we're talking to someone that's no longer probably listening but thank you for your comments really appreciate it i wonder what your thoughts are on on that hannah in terms of styles of reasoning is that something that you noticed
1: Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I think we have to, again, be careful about making absolutes here because, of course, advanced practice uh, clinicians working in orthopaedic environments are working on serious pathology, working in general practice, are working on serious pathology initially. But, of course, there is that difference because, like we said at the beginning, it depends on the context. It depends on Mm -hmm. where you meet that patient in their pathway. Um, So if you're meeting a patient in a pain clinic, then perhaps your approach to serious pathology may be different because there will have been other thing, information that you'll have at that point yeah. than you had when the first clinician met them in their general practice environment. So it just, again, depends on the context that you're seeing them in. Um, but certainly there are um, differences, um, but there's very a lot of similarities as well. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think that advanced practice from that point of view, we, we are working at all levels.
0: David Zalek. Sorry, if I'm mispronouncing your name, David. Does rehab mean different things to different people, especially in the MDT? And I'd extend that question to say, does does every term be that physiotherapy as a profession, but rehab or any distinction, advanced practice, does that mean such different things to different people that it's sort of really hard to get a common identity?
1: Yeah, I, I think it certainly is. And when you're having conversations at a certain level, it's important to sense check that and identify, oh, we're <laughs> the same thing here. You could be having uh, conversations in general practice about triage or total triage, or uh, actually, let's just check. Do we all do triage the same? You're all talking about the same type of rehabilitation. Mm. Um, so absolutely, I agree. It's important that we all get in the habits of sense checking those terms with each other.
0: Yeah. that. Dif- <laughs> I mean, I encourage it across any discussion, especially one where you identify, even if it might be a subtle difference between you and your interlocutor, like define your terms like it's basic, decent conversational theory, you know, make sure you're speaking on similar things, especially if the words mean what you're meaning, Uh, is your perception of that term or that profession accurate? Are you playing into stereotypes or being too definitive uh, within your assumptions and you only find that out from discussing it and also trying to at least afford yourself that time.
1: Yeah, and, and I would say also it's okay if you don't exactly know what that term means to you at that time when <laughs> someone asks you. You know, it's okay <laughs> playing that out and saying, oh, actually, now you've directly asked me to define what I mean by or triage or advanced practice. I'm not sure I can articulate it. And that's okay because actually you can then work that out together and say, oh, yeah, that piece I did recognise, but I, I didn't recognise the other thing that you mentioned. Um, And I think it's important that we're honest and have those conversations with each
0: other. Because we're, yeah, that's such a good point because I, I, I mean, I think maybe there's still plenty of occasions where I run afoul of this, but historically, like partly out of my own sort of sense of giddiness when I've been thinking in a direction for a while, you forget that you're in a different place. You know, you've, been busy defining your take or your definition on that term in such a way that you don't realize that you've been the shadow that's been pointing your attention in that direction for a while and you may have left people behind or more than likely you might be speaking to someone like in my case you're speaking to someone that's been doing that for far longer that's actually moved past your position there and has has developed it and has a sharp critique of, of what you've come to and thinking you're being innovative so that variety matters doesn't it.
1: Regulation is one that tripped me up so many times when I was away. Um, you know, People constantly say, well, hang on, let's just bring it back. I don't think you meant regulation there. I think you meant X, Y and Z, you know, and it, things, people, we all confuse words like regulation with credentialing, no. qualifications, the public confuse regulation with titling, with special specialisation, that sort of thing. Mm. Whereas actually, if we can define it simply, you know, regulation is about public safety and public interest. And that's what we need. Is we need someone. We need to trust each other enough to say, actually, I'm not sure that we're on the right on the right topic there.
0: Because I've because I was clumsy in starting as a bit late. I'm just going to sneak a few more minutes as long as you don't need to rush off, Hannah. Um, but um, I wondered if I could just ask on the regulation piece. Allow me to indulge sort of a uh, spectrum um, which does have stereotypes at either end of it. One of being that essentially we should be self-regulating only in such a way that beyond sort of definitive titling once you're in you're in and it should be that we live and let live and and we should just sort of in, bet- in between us we would self-regulate and then the other side being that you would almost be I've never heard someone argue for this, but let's say that you should be accountable to some body on a monthly basis. By by body, I don't mean person. I mean sort of a governing body. On a monthly basis, you should be appraised against whether you're maintaining standards, etc., which I'm describing uh, uh, caricature examples on either end of that. I wonder where, having thought in this direction for a while, where you end up sitting in how we should be best regulated.
1: Yeah, I mean, lots of the conversations that I had really helped to bring to the forefront some of the challenges around this. Mm -hmm. And one that I don't think we talk about enough is regulatory burden on individuals. Um, So that was something that was brought up at a high level to me in, in some of the conversations I had in Australia. And it's around actually we need to think about all the different populations of staff that we have and at what level in their career, at what level in their life they're at. And what, what point are we expecting them to up their game in terms of spending time at weekends, at evenings, at work, you know, the, high, the high level of things that we're expecting of people. And that adds regulatory burden. And we do need to just sort of check that and, and sort of be aware of that of that burden. Of course, it's important, public safety. and um, And as we said before, public safety comes first. But actually, we need to think about our staff well-being as well. Um, So I think that's something in terms of the regulation side of things that um, we need to have some more conversations about.
0: I'm quite conscious of that, especially because even, even myself, when I look on at some of the suggestions made by MSKR, which is something that makes us admittedly more accountable, there is more of a relative regulatory burden from our suggestions and proposals it's not something I'd relish or enjoy you know there is a burden that would come but I just feel like the bar has been set so low I just wondered if in the UK terms again I'm just sort of wondering if you'd shoot your opinion for me people making a regulatory burden claim as a UK physiotherapist fascinates me like I, I don't I don't see it I don't sense it I sign a declaration against the HCPC and it and, and in, in a lottery of which even when called it's a paper exercise I, I feel like that argument in a UK context is, is weak but admittedly my opinion I wonder what yours was
1: yeah I mean I think we've always we, we've all got as physiotherapists that I've come across anyway we've all got really good habits in terms of keeping up to date and um, you know obviously we'll all meet people from different walks of life in terms of physiotherapy so for most people that, you know these things aren't going to add an awful awful lot, but we certainly need uh, employers and to be supportive of whatever comes comes out. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that just needs to be shared and, and made sure that um, that it's discussed widely. but yeah I, I agree that majority of people that I come across in my daily work, it wouldn't add an awful lot to them, but it's something that does need to be considered.
0: And it's not something that should fall squarely on their shoulders as an individual, completely agree. This distribution of responsibility and and affording that time and recognising and then truly testing what that takes out of people, not just in terms of time burden, but also emotionally and how that might even disrupt their clinical care. Like, what on earth are we doing if we create something that's so onerous that it then distracts from actually delivering quality care, especially at a time like this? So we definitely don't want to be clumsy about it. And I apologise to you and anyone else that might have felt that I have been in the past. On this, because it's an important thing that I've not meant to be, but I think that some of the accusations I've had, I feel like there are maybe people sometimes misrepresenting, but also me miscommunicating, as if to suggest that sort of a heavy-handed regulatory approach is sort of preferable and only has upsides, which I certainly don't believe.
1: Mm. And I think a lot of the support that's coming out nationally now actually is is fantastic, and that's exactly what a lot of the recommendations in in my. Mm. In my research was was showing and actually those things are coming to the fore now and it's being tested we've got that super we've got supervision documents that give us really clear guidance and so for a lot of these discussions they're being had currently and you know we've got the information currently so it's really important that as a profession that we in a community that we engage with that and I think a lot of people are finding that very helpful.
0: Absolutely. And and thank you so much for doing that work. I mean, we could talk for hours and I no doubt will over time, Hannah, about this on and off air, I hope. Um, Thank you so much for all you're doing. Please, everyone, I encourage you to seek this out. I'm going to go to Hannah in a second. She'll tell you how to. But please read it, especially the conclusions, very thoughtful, doesn't make the mistake of then overindulging, as I mentioned at the start, where some people just feel like they're very data centric as if it's got a really heavy conclusion and then at the uh some people then just over again over indulging i would say on a very narrow um qualitative variable this has been a, a really lovely piece of work that will only i can only see good conversation emerging from it so please do go and read it engage with it engage with hannah about it and, and keep an eye on her future work and thinking on this uh, because it's, it's fascinating and, and, and thank you so much for doing it Hannah.
1: Great. Thank you very much. Yeah. So um, anyone can find my work on the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust website. So if you just search for my name, Hannah Morley, uh, under their website, you'll find it. Um, also, I've got a blog, which is advanced, Advancing Practice, and you'll find it on there. And also follow me on Twitter as well, and you'll find it there.
0: Absolutely. Yes. It'll be everywhere. And we'll make sure we get the links out and stuff when we accompany this. So thanks a lot. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Let me just double check. I've got another, another guest on tomorrow. Who is it? Rob Tyers on tomorrow. So please join me and Rob. I think we'll be talking a bit in this direction, but it'll be more about how he keeps in touch with evidence as well as getting involved in it himself, becoming increasingly research literate as he is, old friend of mine. Uh, But we'll be talking about that with Rob and probably a bit of this stuff as well. It'll be a really interesting follow-on, I think, in some ways. So thanks, Hannah, and uh, thank you all. I'll see you tomorrow.